He's just a young boy looking for a way to find love. He's got to do it for himself. Paul McCartney. Hello, 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 everyone. Welcome to another episode of Felonious Pundits. I am Kintad Svensgaard, and along with me, as always, please say hello to our good friend, Mr. AJ Mass. Hello, hello, hello. It is me. I am here. I am ready to move about the country. Bing! <laughs> And who knew it could be so dangerous, AJ? Hey, we are the Felonious Pundits. Each week we talk about the television program Criminal Minds. We recap and take an in-depth look at an episode. I have never seen the show before, so that is the conceit that we will be working with, that I am giving it a first watch, and AJ is known as our grizzled veteran who has seen each and every episode many, many a time, and he will be bringing that perspective to you. So this week, AJ, we are talking about season four, episode 13, entitled Bloodline. Oh, Bloodline. was so great in this, and uh, Linda Cardellini, <laughs> uh, Ben Mendelsohn. What a great series on Netflix. Oh, wait. Wrong Bloodline. <laughs> wrong bloodline, wrong bloodline, and not uh, Vampire the Masquerade either, if if you have any video game fans out there. <laughs> but, uh, appreciate that. Anyway, this episode was written by Mark Bruner, and it was directed by Tim Matheson. Hey, nice to see Tim Matheson back. Uh, this originally aired January 21st, 2009. And I have an alternative title alternative title for this episode. Had I named it, I would have gone with perhaps the obvious TGIF name of Family Matters. Interesting. Interesting. Yes, I, of course, you know, I'm a big fan of reality television. Uh, so I would have gone with Foreigner Wants a Wife. <laughs> <laughs> excellent. Excellent. So, uh... Let's get into the episode, shall we? This week, uh, we first get a previously, which I think the only point of was to establish that Jordan Todd uh, is having kind of a hard time dealing with the various repercussions of working in a in a wacky place like the BAU with what with its murders and whatnot. I'm going to say they put the previously in because last week's episode was probably shot out of sequence. <laughs> yes. So that's basically because I don't I don't even remember her being in last week's episode. <laughs> yeah. Good point. It was it was bringing up something yeah. from from before. Uh, yeah. It, it's, it's just it, it's just weird because like you know we we see her at the end of the Mitch Pelagi episode going I don't think I could do this job and like here she is so it's it's a little weird. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. So uh, we have our opening scene. Uh, we see a family is in a car. We have a father, a mother, and a son. They're pulling up to a house. It's night. The son seems a little bit reluctant. He's like pretending as asleep, and they have to sort of rouse him for the cause, whatever the cause may be. 
And he seems a little bit worried, shall I say. He's like, will she like me? I don't know. Maybe I don't have to meet her this way or do I have to meet her this way? Uh, Something is going on. We're still trying to kind of figure out what it is. And the dad's got kind of a creepy look in his eye. And he says to the kid, you know, whatever, what we're about to do, we've been prepping you for for your whole life. And, And the boy says, yes, yes, I know. And his mom, who I did recognize, the actress Cynthia, Cindy, as I used to call her, Gib, from back in the day. Uh, She's been around, I guess, for a while. I remember her certainly from the TV series Fame, which just goes to show. TV series Fame, and also uh, she was in a a movie where she played Gypsy Rose Lee, um, Mm -hmm. which is kind of funny there. Uh, Yeah, and you don't recognize, I mean, come on, you know if there's a Lost reference, I have to pull out a Lost reference. That's Mikhail from Lost is the father. Thank you. I knew I recognized him from somewhere. I was trying to place it. That was, so he was Mikhail. Okay, Make, makes a little bit more sense. This guy. Anyway, yeah, Cindy. Uh, I'm sorry. The mom says something that was kind of freaky to me, which is, "You're 10 years old now. You're becoming a man." I, I don't know if I call 10 becoming a man, but hey, you know, different strokes, different folks, different cultures have. Uh, well, different yeah, times. I think that's, that's the main gist of what we're going to get in this episode. That some, something's definitely off with this family unit. <laughs> yeah, definitely. So then we have our dad. He's grabbing a pouch of what appears to be glass shards. Well, I'll spoil the surprise. It is <laughs> glass shards. A pouch of glass shards. <laughs> in a little pouch, uh, uh, colored so that we can see that it's. Glass, perhaps. <laughs> Just uh, he's got some glass. He gets out of the car. It goes up to the house that they're outside of. The mom gets out. So basically, the whole family goes up. They're at the door, and they start spreading some of the glass outside of the door. And then they uh, break in the little window that's there, and they break into the house by doing the old thing where you put some tape on the window and you. Break it. um, Anyway, they break into the house. We then cut over next to see Agent Todd, and she's brushing past Prentice and Rossi in the BAU office. They try to talk to her. She doesn't seem to even have time. She's, She's on a mission going wherever she's going, and they wonder what's gotten into her. And she uh, goes directly into Hotch's office. Let's them know they have a request coming in from Alabama. Uh, there was a couple's home that has been broken into. Parents were murdered and a 10-year-old girl is missing. Hotch, who was on the phone, kind of nods and, and understands. He gets her and he uh, he's hung up the phone at this point. He gets the timeline of events from her. It's been eight hours since the murder. And Todd is saying, look, I know this isn't a serial case, but Hotch assures her, no, she's doing the right thing because uh, when you have a missing child, obviously after the first 24 hours, your chances of recovering the child alive are very slim. So she's doing the right thing in this case. They go out and uh, he tells Prentice and Rossi, hey, we got this case. We're getting ready to go on it. Wheels up in 30, basically. And that's the first use of wheels up, baby. Yeah. <laughs> Since when? Forever? 
I, certainly, I don't recall him actually saying it in the episode before. Uh-huh. <laughs> Maybe p- pilot, but I've been waiting for them to say it. Like I know they don't say it for a long time, and then they they find, now. Yes, wheels up. We've got our little <laughs> outro. This is why I say it. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it's Agent Todd looks lost in thought for a second. And Rossi seems concerned. He's like telling her, hey, she needs to go get her go bag. And after a minute, we cut back to a girl and she's looking through slats of uh, what appear to be like a closet door. She's checking out her surroundings and she turns around. There's tinfoil and clothes, as she will later say, in her (laughs) area. And uh, she sees that there's a a boy standing there. She starts begging to be let go. She's promising she won't tell them. Uh, the parents of the boy give him some water to give to the girl. He opens the closet door, asks if she's thirsty. She takes the water. We see that her hands are bound. The family looks on as she's drinking. And uh, the dad says, well, now it's time to do it. The the boy asks if it's time. Can he do it? Can he do it? And they're like, yes. And he says, I'm going to name you Elena. And uh, (laughs) she looks a little bit freaked out. And we go to credits. Criminal Minds, Criminal Minds, Criminal Minds, Criminal Minds. It's Criminal Minds. I'd be freaked out, too, if that was my first interaction with somebody. Yes. (laughs) I'm going to call you. Elena. I mean, I'm thinking <laughs> because you're my pet. <laughs> it's basically yeah. the vibe I'm getting. I do. I do want to say the one thing is that Todd being troubled, it to me read as because a kid's involved. Mm-hmm. And the last case that she was on that involved a kid, the kid ended up dead. <laughs> so the whole family, yeah, yeah. I, I, I something about family annihilators because. You know, I don't know. It's just, it's just she didn't seem to be all that, uh, all that concerned uh, with a soulmate's case, but she wasn't really there. So, <laughs> yeah, I just, I, I, I wonder if I should bother being invested in her story, or are we going to never see Agent Todd again once JJ is back? Is how I'm thinking about it. Uh, well, well, basically, look, you know, I'm all for. I'm all for dragging these out and not telling you any spoilers, but spoiler alert. <laughs> <laughs> I think yeah. I think we're putting a button on this baby. <laughs> <laughs> not all to righty. get all meta on you, but <laughs> Oh, that's golding. Uh, <laughs> so we're on the BAU jet. We hear Apprentice give us our quote. Winston Churchill said there is no doubt that it is around the family and the home that all the greatest virtues of human society are created, strengthened, and maintained. Now stay in those homes while we decide to go on rations. <laughs> <laughs> so Agent Todd is showing them the uh, crime scene photos going over the, the files on the jet. And Prentice starts talking about the girl that's been taken, the parents were killed, uh, and Prentice mentions the girl as the target, and that really seems to bother Agent Todd. She's saying, she has a name. It's Kate. She's 10 years old. 
And Prentice quickly kind of backs down, like, okay, girl, okay, <laughs> understood. Uh, I mean, you're right. I mean, now is not really, but well, okay, you're right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So now we confirm that there is an Amber Alert. Hotch says they should cast a, a slightly bigger net, you know, make it like 400 miles. They want to make sure they're, they're searching everywhere. And uh, we learn that somebody named Jim Sheeran is Kate's biological father, and he's the one that found the bodies of the rest of the family. Uh, local police have cleared him of any wrongdoing, but Hotch probably wants is going to want to talk to him anyway, which, of course, makes sense. And they say they'll get some aerial views of the neighborhood from Garcia, et cetera, et cetera. Morgan and Rossi will go to the crime scene and everybody else is going to head off to the police precinct. Yes. And we get a nice, very old school criminal minds travel by Kodak to the crime scene. It's been a minute. Yeah, it's been a little while. And uh, we see Morgan and Rossi arrive. We are told uh, in Harvest, Alabama, we meet up with the one of the local sheriffs there named Bo Whitaker, who has the only really exaggerated southern accent in the whole episode that takes place in Alabama. I thought it was interesting. He seemed to be doing a different kind of take on the part than, than the rest of the actors. Yeah, well, you know, uh, it's all good. It's people, yeah. people speak different. That is true. That is true. And uh, anyway, Sheriff Bo lets them, you know, walk around the house. And the first thing Morgan and Rossi figure out is they're way out in the boonies and a person could watch a home and stake out someone there in relative privacy without being bothered. And this is when we see a, a rope swing that is empty, but then through the magic of imagination we see little kate happily swinging away on the swing before she fades away we didn't need this <laughs> no we did not we, we, we really didn't if we're not going to reenact everything then like this isolated one shot is just kind of stupid but you know <laughs> I, I i do like the fact that again it's like okay here's the site we didn't stumble upon this site if we're the unsub like you're not going to accidentally land here so that that's a right. good thing for the profile exactly then rossi says a little jokey rossi line about preferring cities because then you can see someone coming and i kind of while i get what he was saying i was like well not really i mean <laughs> if you're gonna get it you're gonna get it rossi it doesn't well, matter I mean yeah. Okay. If you if you live in the city, you don't live in a house. <laughs> I mean, you know. I mean, you do, but you, you know, it's like if I live in an apartment, I got five hundred people in my same building. I got to watch out for. Yeah. So they uh, check out the crime scene. They note that it wasn't a very sophisticated criminal unsub here, uh, because they just knocked out the window pane to unlock the door. They do find the broken glass that's uh, out there. And then we cut back to Reed, who's in the precinct, and he's precinct, and he's also establishing the fact that it's a very rural area, you know, single little roads to get to it. They're about three miles from any of the main roads. So again, let's just reestablish the fact that we just established, which is the unsub didn't come upon the site by accident. 
And Hotch asks the sheriff that they're working with, Sheriff Bates, about the dad who is on his way in. Uh, I will say the locals seem decent enough here. They don't seem to be the type to be either in the way or overly helpful this particular Like I episode. said, there's, there's three types of locals. We are so happy to see you, and we're going to help, and we're going to be effective. We don't want you here. Get out. And... We're going to be proxy for the audience and ask the stupid questions. <laughs> yes, exactly. And Hotch has to explain that the father might know something, even though his alibi checks out. He might know something that's helpful to them. Wait a second. Let me get this straight. You mean <laughs> to tell me that even if someone is not a suspect, they might have information we need? <laughs> yeah. So... Back at the crime scene, we get Morgan, and he's looking around Kate's room for a quick shot. And then we go back to the precinct, and Agent Todd is bringing Prentice the autopsy report and pictures. And she does start to explain her behavior on the plane, but Prentice is basically like, no worries, don't worry about it. And they start to look over the reports, and Morgan then... We see, cutting back to him, he's going into the parents' room where the parents were killed. It is a bloody mess. Dexter Morgan might have actually been happy with the uh, amount of splatter that was available here. Very true. So Morgan and Rossi try to figure out how the logistics could have worked here because we have two victims. And at some point, somebody had to have heard somebody struggling, like Kate should have heard... The parents struggling, or certainly when the dad was killed, the mom should have woken up and and then had a struggle herself. But none of them seemed to, there was no signs of any struggle uh, in the girls' room. So now the theory is, and this is the same conclusion that uh, Prentice is coming to, the theory is there must be more than one unsub because... Otherwise, it really it really wouldn't have worked out the dynamics of the, the crime scene. And what uh, Prentice has discovered is there's the stab wounds are as if by two completely different people. One is kind of shallow and many stabs while the other was more, you know, just, uh, more deep and, and straight up. So yeah, been, one, one been there, done it before and one not so much. Maybe my first time kind of thing. It's again, this is another case of uh, the BAU. Which we recognize. I mean, they, they solve a lot of cases. They're good at their job. Uh, normally, if this was a real-life situation and they were a real-life team, they'd walk in the room and go, multiple unsubs? Yeah, multiple unsubs. But yeah. they got to drag this stuff out <laughs> and hold our hands through this whole thing because it's a TV show. So I will grant them the grace that they have to do this for the TV show. But do we need it in two different locations at the same time? Probably not. <laughs> No, we do not. Uh, the sheriff back at the precinct, meanwhile, has uh, said to Hotch that the dad has shown up now. And this is, I, by the way, I don't know if I made it clear, but this the, the dad that was killed was a stepdad. And Kate's real father is still alive. He's the one that we're, we're about Kate's to talk to. Kate's biological father. Stepdad I'm could sorry. still be her real father. <laughs> yes, I know. I'm sorry. I, bad phrasing. No, bad no, no. Talk. Trust me, I'm only, I'm only over, over PCing it because of what will happen later. <laughs> okay, good. 
Gotcha. <laughs> One thing about the step, I mean, the, <laughs> the real dad, apparently he smells worse than a bar fight. So we get the sense that he is someone who is perhaps full, not at his full facility facilities. And it's not because of what happened to his daughter. He's not just drunk. He's drunky drunk. Yeah, definitely a thing there. But before we get to the father, the last thing that Rossi says to uh, our, our our little cop there is that because it was two people, this is probably a good thing. And he has right. to over-explain it to the cop like, what, what, what do you mean it could be a good thing? And he's like, well, they'll spend more time with her, which is very creepy. Um, and could mean a lot of it. things. Yeah, yeah, but you, but you get it. It's like well, if, if they're gonna spend more time with her, we have more time to catch her them because you know catch them and find her before they kill her. If there's more than one, right? Which it's it's uh, oh yeah, it's a positive. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> right. So then we have Hotch go to talk to the father, and this guy has no clue about anything. He does not know any enemies that the family would have. To him, Kate is a normal kid. He has his visitation scheduled for every two weeks. But you can kind of tell he doesn't really keep to that schedule. And, you know, Hotch is like, well, any other information that could help? And he's like, well, we like to go to the movies. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, thank you so much. I mean, which is some helpful information a little bit later. But not really. Yeah. What kid yeah. doesn't like to go to the movies? Come on. Like, it, that really isn't helpful. Hotch actually kind of gives him a hard time basically saying, you know, I'm going to have to leave you right now because you're useless to me. Uh, but if you come up with anything, you know, uh, sure, fine. Uh, meanwhile, I'm going to go try to find your daughter. And he does stop Hotch to say, oh, there is one thing. And then we cut over to Morgan, who is now in their bathroom, searching the cabinet, medicine cabinet. He pulls out a prescription bottle of some kind. Then we see, we cut back to Hotch, who is explaining to Agent Todd that Kate has, apparently has epilepsy. And the unsubs didn't know about that because they did not take the medicine. And so then Todd says in a worried voice, oh, the primary cause of seizures is stress, which is our cue to cut to a very stressed out (laughs) looking young girl in the closet, Kate. And she's looking around, still freaking out. And she's looking through the slot. She can see the dad is. Well, what we find out is that he's basically training his son how to pick pockets. He's got like a mannequin set up and the mannequin has several bells on it. And so if he can't pick the pocket cleanly without a little bell ringing, uh, he is not passing pickpocket class, basically, (laughs) is what's happening there. But the kid seems anxious. He wants to give it a go. And the dad is like, no. And Meanwhile, Kate is indeed stressing out, and it is indeed time for her to fall to the floor in a seizure. Uh, they run over to the closet, open the open the closet door. The mom is saying, oh, she's sick. We can see her frothing at the mouth. The dad says, oh, well, she's no good. <laughs> Great. <laughs> Damage goods. <laughs> He's basically going to insist that they have to kill the girl. The mom is like, hey, we don't kill little girls. 
But the dad is insisting and he's like handing her the knife and she's like, all right, you know what? If you're going to no, I'm not doing this. If it's going to happen, you're going to do it. So that's when we cut away as she's handed him the knife and we cut away to see an RV pulling up on a, a section of road and the son and dad getting out of the back and they're carrying what appears to be a body in a blanket. They roll it down an embankment that's there and they get back in the RV and we cut to a break thinking, oh no, they've killed poor little Kate. Yeah, I mean, you know, uh, that seems to be what's going on here in the... I love I love I love the line of morality though. We don't kill little girls. We wait till they get old and have a daughter. We kill yeah, them exactly. then. <laughs> and then kidnap yeah. the daughter to perpetuate the cycle. <laughs> come yeah. on now. <laughs> it is all kind of twisted. So we come back from break and it's we're back to that same section of the road, but now it's daylight outside. And we can see very quickly that Kate is actually still alive, which is nice. Good to see that. She comes to, she wakes up basically. She's, uh, she crawls up the side of the embankment to the road. We see that she is barefoot. She's got her hands tied and her feet are actually tied. So she hops out into the road and basically falls down in front of a car that well, that would have been ironic if the car just <laughs> hit her there. And well, yeah, you know, it was just like, do we uh, look? Do we need to put the girl in that much peril? <laughs> Could she have just stayed by the side of the road and screamed? Uh, yeah, you know, look. If if the car's driving, if I'm driving by and I see a young girl tied like that, that I'm going to have the same reaction as if she jumps in front of my car. <laughs> yes. But luckily, the car stops just before uh, running her over. Screech! And <laughs> we cut to now. We see Todd and Prentice and Hotch. They are arriving at a hospital. And a doctor comes out to let them know. Well, basically, the main point is the girl is okay, except for there was a seizure and that could cause retrograde amnesia so she may have some holes in her memory she's she's also a she's also a 10 year old girl who's just been in a stressful situation even if she didn't have a seizure she could have some holes in her memory you know true true that hotch decides that prentice is going to go in and handle the interview uh, so prentice goes in uh the daughter is with her father and prentice basically says uh I, look i need to speak with kate and a loan may be easier because there are certain things a woman doesn't want to necessarily talk about if a, a man is present or a girl, I should say. Well, she's almost 10. She's practically yeah. a woman. <laughs> girl, you're a woman now. Uh, <laughs> yes. So the father is hesitant to leave, but Kate is like, it's okay, Dad. Peace, Please just peace out. Jim Sheeran Again, is his name, and he walks out, and he has a, a little scene with Hotch real quick, and Hotch is trying to let him know, hey, if the if you hadn't alerted the doctors about her epilepsy, she might not have made it. So you helped save her life. So Hotch is trying to like build him back. Good up. news, give him yeah. some good news, and he's you know understandably freaked out, and he wants to know if 
Hotch has seen this kind of thing before. Hotch says, yeah, unfortunately, it will take some time, but kids do come out of it. And he mentions yesterday would have been the first day he was supposed to see her uh, in in about a month and a half. And Hotch kind of bonds with them a little bit. He lets it slip that a colleague gave his son a Christmas present and asked about it. And basically, he had to make up an answer if if the kid liked the present because he didn't know. So they because bond Hodge over. Because is an absentee father too. Yeah, exactly. Uh, it's it's nice to remind us every now and then about that. Meanwhile, uh, Jim walks away to get some coffee, and Agent Todd comes up to Hotch, lets him know that they're going to process the blanket and the clothes that were found. Uh, Hotch is like, great. And then he's going to call Garcia. He's asks her for lists of any crimes committed by partners within a 90 mile radius of Harvest, Alabama in the last two years, because he basically wants to put together a book of mugshots for Kate to look at. Garcia is going to get on that. And Hotch says, well, they dumped Kate 84 miles away from Harvest. They could have been much further away than that, but it seems like they're sticking around. Agent Todd says, oh, great. So we're zeroing in on them. And she kind of doesn't get why Hotch looks worried. And Hotch is concerned because he can't figure out why they actually left her alive. That's true. If you can dump her, then why not kill her at that point? Because she can certainly identify, you would think, or there's a way they could get caught. It's unusual to be sure. So then let's go back into the room with Prentice, who is explaining to Kate what a cognitive interview is, uh, which we've seen this before, which is where we're going to sort of have you remember the scene and remember all of the sensory input, sort of relive the the scene. And she's going to walk her through that. And so she has her close her eyes and what <laughs> she just says, what do you remember? And it <laughs> kind of funny to me it's like it's not even hypnosis it's let's just have you close your eyes and try to sense everything that happened but then the question is just what do you remember i mean it's i don't know it seems like you would have to do more a little bit more to get someone into the mood for this uh <laughs> kind of questioning but well, the, the, th- the thing is that this i'm sure this works in real life and everything and but you know you get someone in a relaxed environment and try and ask different questions and they're expecting to get them to remember things and certainly uh, smell is a trigger more so than than sight and all that stuff i just never understood especially in this particular case the the visualization that they use for us on tv just makes zero sense because uh, okay on the one hand suddenly we see her breath and she's like it's cold right. and i okay <laughs> So maybe she's remembering herself being her being there, but then Emily is standing with her in this vision, as if this is some sort of hypnosis or walking through the memory thing. It, it's it's clunky. It's clumsy. And when she is in peril in the memory, she's screaming out for Emily. Emily, help me. It's okay. You're all right. And I, it's fine for her to be freaked out. She's a 10-year-old girl. It's fine for her to be upset and to be nervous about this process. That makes sense. But Emily holds her hand in the vision, and she reacts as if she's in the vision with her. But it's, it, she's not actually in a vision. She's just remembering. Yes. 
And yes. okay, you know, and, uh, I'm going to yada yada through this a little bit. Like she, you know, she remembers the guy grabbing her, and putting her in the trunk. She remembers that they rode for like 10, 10 minutes, and it was it was a smooth ride. That there's trees. That she's not wearing shoes, and she remembers a carpet. Like there's all this stuff. She remembers the bells tinkling, and so okay, that's there. And then she says, "There's a boy," and she whispers like it's the sixth sense. <laughs> <laughs> He's right there next to you. <laughs> and I'm like, no, he's not. Emily's <laughs> not actually there. <laughs> I just hate yeah. this whole scene. Like, the acting's great. The girl's great. If she was actually in a vision and living through the memory, this would be fine. But that's not what's happening. So it's just very bizarre. She has a great memory also. Uh, she remembers the boy saying he's nine years old, about to be 10. And she remembers that the mother said, Puyule, come here. So she remembers a, a foreign nickname is or a term of endearment or whatever yes. she called him. I, I, I don't know that she would remember that unless she remembered it as a name, maybe, I, I guess. Okay. But it's it's possible. I mean, she was talking with the boy when this happened, and it was you know. It, but yeah, you're right. Popo, patipi, patapi. Oh, Puyule. Yeah, that was it. You know, like. But oh, look, all right. So they get through that whole that whole thing. Emily comforts her, and then she's she decides to tell her she did a great job, and she's going to go out and spill the deets to Hutch. <laughs> yeah, she does stop and tell. Mr. Sharon, that he's got a great little girl. She's strong. And uh, and also to reassure him that it appears there was no kind of bad molestation that happened. So he says, okay. And then Emily tells Hotch that a family did this. The girl was taken from her house in a car, then to an RV. They had a short ride to a wooded area. Uh, the mother called the boy Puyule, which Emily happens to know is a Romanian term of endearment because she used to hear it from when her mom was posted overseas. Uh, she gives us that explanation. <laughs> she knows a lot of languages. We, 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 Emily is the language person. So, you know, okay, fine. That's her superpower, her mutant skill. It's too bad that uh, the young girl, Kate, uh, who will grow up to become Molly on Heroes, uh, her mutant skill hasn't kicked in yet, which is that she can locate anyone in the world. <laughs> Good call, by the way. I, I knew I recognized the girl, too. I couldn't think of from where, and I think it's definitely from Heroes. So, Yeah, and can I say that uh, the ages of the, of, the, of the girls, of the children in this, is like, oh, I'm nine, almost ten. Uh, that kid is 14. I was going to say, they seem a little older than 10, both of them. That kid is 14. This, this girl uh, is 13. Uh, yeah, no, <laughs> no one's 10 in this. <laughs> <laughs> Hotch tells Prentice to go ahead and get Rossi and Morgan to go look at the closest RV parks. They'll look into that. And Emily is just like, what are we looking at here? And Hotch actually says he has no idea. So we cut over to an RV park and... Morgan and Rossi are talking to a, a manager or owner of the RV park. She doesn't seem to have anything to give them at first. But then she does remember something when they say that the family may have been Eastern European and may have spoken some foreign words to one another. 
Ah, are they in trouble? Again, I mean, maybe the FBI is there questioning you about them. (laughs) They may be in some kind of trouble, but she remembers specifically a family. The husband was very businesslike. The wife seemed very pretty and nice. And the son was quiet. They, she doesn't have any information on them because they left in the middle of the night, never came back. The reason she does remember them is because they left a mess that she had to go clean up of a bunch of broken glass. And she then goes and shows them to where the, they were parked. Uh, and she warns them that they're not going to find anything because she has cleaned up. As she has stated before, <laughs> she has cleaned this area up. They will not find anything, but do whatever you're going to do. <laughs> Yeah, I you know she's. I, I I like when they have colorful, quirky characters because these could easily just be like boring, nondescript people. They're, they're usually quirky characters. I mean, she's a flat out racist, which is hilarious to me, just because you're like, well, oh, you didn't tell me they were speaking foreign. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. And so she leaves. Rossi decides to have the conversation now with with Morgan about what Jordan said on the plane says, you know, she's right. You know, we don't take the time to talk about all the ugliness that we see. And Morgan is like, what are you talking about? We talk about it every day. And Rossi's like, no, we only talk about the facts, the signature, the MO, the pathology. Right right here, we have a, a, a case where a family is grooming a son to kill. And they're not just killing people. They're, they're stealing children. They're poisoning minds. And where's the horror? Morgan says, well, we can't really do this job if we let it get to us. And Rossi's like, exactly. <laughs> and, uh, right? oh, it's, a nice, it's a nice way to wax poetic about the masks. And the, you know, the, oh, we, we have to use jargon to keep ourselves sane. It's fine. <laughs> yeah. Then immediately in the place where they're not supposed to find anything because it was cleaned, Rossi finds some of the glass over in some grass by a rocky little part. I, in fairness, though, the, he kicked the rock, and, and it was yeah. underneath the rock. So she did do she did clean the area. <laughs> it wasn't like they found three Twinkie wrappers and then said, "Hey, look, there's glass over here." Yeah. So we cut back to the station, and Derek is has the glass, and it's apparently a match of the glass from the crime scene. That indicates that the glass must have been spread around on purpose. Rossi says it's like everything they do is some part of uh, some kind of ritual. And the sheriff asks if they've seen anything like this before. And Morgan is like, a family that ritualizes killing together? No, we haven't really seen that before. And Reed says the family may be Romanian because the spreading of glass would make sense. It's an Eastern European superstition for good luck. They're not just talking about straight up Romanians, but somebody also that's highly superstitious and obsessed with ritual. That makes them think of Romani, gypsies. Reed says, well, to be even more specific, people who have perverted the Romani culture. Not all. Not all Romanians. Not all Romani. And it, it's, just, it's the ones who have perverted the thing. Not, not, not all Romani. Do not send letters to CBS. We understand we are taking an outlier case here. Not all real dads and biological dads. Not all Romani. Yes. So they're going to call Garcia because, again, the Romani are tight-knit and nomadic like our unsubs. 
but they're not usually prone to violence. Not so all the money go and kill people. Yes. Okay. Some are very nice. They're not all thieves and tramps and that damn that share for starting that nonsense. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and in fact, Garcia call talk they call Garcia and she mentions she didn't find any crime similar in the last couple of years. Reed asks her to go back a little further and then cross reference it with towns that are associated with raves of Romani populations entering the area. And Garcia makes the same share joke that everybody probably made <laughs> as soon Absolutely. as they said gypsies. And she's going to get them the information. Rossi tells the sheriff, oh, you better go get your men together right now. The sheriff asks why. And Reed says, look, whatever ritual these people are doing, we know that Kate Hale didn't feel their fit their needs. And Morgan says, which means they're going to have to try again. So then we cut over immediately to some shopping center or mall parking lot. And we see our crime family, so to speak, uh, in the car casing out other families walking to their cars. And the father has the boy picking out the next set of possible victims. The mom is trying to say, hey, look, it's too soon. And the dad says, "Ah, he turns 10 in a week. You know the rules. (laughs) (laughs) Um, We see a family that we followed getting into their car. And the dad asks the boy if he sees anybody he likes and sees the boy looking at them. And he looks at them and says, good choice. Fine choice is what he says. So they follow that car out of the parking lot. We then have our profile scene. (laughs) They're briefing the cops. Hey, guys, we're looking for a family, mother, father. Boy, about 10. They're possibly Romanian. They travel in an RV. They got another vehicle they use to go back and forth between the campsites in the city. And then now we actually are witnessing the couple as they are committing the next crime. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a little sim- simple back and forth. They're, you know, like they like to do. We, they, we've already seen them do the crime once. Now they're doing the crime again. They killed the dad, killed the mom, kidnapped the girl. And uh, mercifully... After all this back and forth, Morgan comes in to interrupt the profile scene because I I had enough at this point. Yes. Uh, Morgan comes in and says, Garcia's got some information for us. You got to check this out. So Garcia apparently has found all the similar cases. She's found 30 of them, but they date back all the way as far as 1909. And they pop up all over the country, Idaho, Iowa, Utah, whatever, a bunch of different places all around the country. And the time period between each of the kills was a long time. So this has been going on for decades. Reed points out they probably weren't linked as serial because, again, they were all over the place and the time between the kills was long. (laughs) The girls were abducted and their parents were killed. And the sheriff is like, well, what the hell is going on here? And Morgan says he doesn't know, but it's been going on for generations. <laughs> so a third time, just in case we didn't get it. I, I, I'm just I'm honestly surprised the sheriff didn't go. So we're looking for a 130 year old. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes. No. Nope. Instead, we just get a smash cut of several of the missing girls pictures and then we go to a break. 
Yes, we're about at the halfway point of this episode right now, and uh, the BAU is barely closer to solving this than when they started. Yes, we come back, though, because as I said, during that profile scene, we were seeing the other crime being committed, and now we're at that new crime scene, which is in Madison, Alabama. The sheriff has put out the roadblocks. They've distributed the newest girl's picture. They look around. Morgan finds the telltale colored broken glass. Rossi tells the sheriff they got lucky with Kate Hell because her epilepsy saved her life. However, if this girl, this current girl that's been kidnapped, meets whatever the needs of the family are, then they may have lost out on their window to catch them. Yeah, they might take her and leave and we we might be done. That's it. Over done with because you know they were concerned with a with a what a 400 mile radius after eight hours so if they're actually gonna hightail it out of town they could be five six hundred miles away at this point yeah they could be anywhere we cut to the blood-soaked parents bedroom on this newest crime and basically read morgan and her in a conversation and Morgan is explaining that he thinks of these killing of the parents as what he calls a countermeasure, because basically the sad fact is if the parents stop bothering the police about a missing child, missing child case, it kind of eventually stops getting worked on because they've got other priorities. Other cases have come in and they're not going to work on it, especially if nobody is constantly coming to them with it. So Perhaps that's why the parents are being killed here. So there's there is none of that. Yeah, they're closing they're closing a a, a loophole in a question that that people might have. Like, well, why'd they kill the parents? Like, just stick the kid. Why did they kill the parents? Like, it makes sense. It, it it does. It's sad, but it makes sense. Yeah. And so Garcia calls in and she says she's got some info that they're not going to believe. We see there's a hair analysis report on her computer screen. And we cut out to Morgan walking outside and he tells Todd and Rossi uh, he knows what the couple is doing. Garcia got a hair analysis uh, and the hair used in the blanket that was uh, used to wrap Kate Hale and it belonged to Kathy Gray. And the sheriff is like, why does that name sound familiar? Morgan says, well, she went missing in 1971 and her parents were murdered. And yeah, uh, I guess okay. the sheriff <laughs> remember the sheriff, that the sh- name. Why did the sheriff remember this? Name? Exactly. They have these thirty <laughs> pictures that they said. Oh, look at all the girls who are missing. Kathy Gray. Why does that name sound familiar? It, it doesn't. It doesn't sound familiar <laughs> to you at all. It's just you're just saying that so we can say she's one of the thirty pictures that Garcia found. Garcia should have just said it, and she's one of the thirty names I gave you. Like that's what she should have said. Cut it down. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. And Agent Todd is like, wait a minute, so now she's one of the unsubs? And Rossi tells Morgan to call Hotch and, and have Prentice and Hotch meet them at the station. Rossi sees that Todd looks disturbed, and she tells him she's okay. She just needs to build a thicker skin. And he tells her she doesn't need to do anything she doesn't want to do. <laughs> Rossi okay. is pushing this girl out the door. <laughs> yeah, he really is. I need to improve myself. Well, you don't have to improve yourself if you don't want to. <laughs> you can just leave. <laughs> Agent Todd says, these little girls are abducted and then later take other little girls and kill their families. 
And Rossi says, well, that's probably why they're taking girls the same age as their boys. They're making wives, which does sound like another reality series. Yes. <laughs> oh, man. Welcome to MILF Manor. We're making wives. No. Um, <laughs> I, it's a good it's a good line. It's a shocking line. It's, you know, it's kind of kind of a little over the top, though, Rossi. Come on, man. <laughs> mm-hmm. So next we cut to some outside area and. We see the dad and the boy are diligently working on pouring gasoline all over the RV. Meanwhile, the mom's over in the car with the scared little girl, our latest kidnap victim, and she's crying. She's gagged. Do you recognize this little girl at all? She seemed a little familiar, but I didn't well, place I, it. I only recognize this is Sierra McCormick, and the only reason I, re- I recognize her is because she was the right age for my son to be watching Disney Channel. <laughs> oh, okay. And so she was uh, she was in uh, Ant Farm, and she was actually one of the, on the first cast of Are You Smarter Than a Fifth Grader uh, as well. She was one of those those eggheads, and then she got a got a show on Disney Channel where she played a really smart girl. Uh, which mm-hmm. is basically her being herself. And she grew up, she's still acting, and she was in American Horror Stories as a very, very grown-up Sierra McCormack wearing the black leather outfit and, and seducing mm. men. So she's... Uh, but yeah, I just I remember this little girl very, very well from, from Disney Channel. <laughs> wow. Go ahead, Sierra. Get your acting on. Yeah, yeah. So the mom is comforting young Sierra. It's okay. I know what you're going through. And she literally does. She takes out the gag and she's crying and the mom hugs her. It's kind of creepy. You can see the indoctrination process beginning here. Meanwhile, the dad and the boy are lighting the RV on fire. And the mom is telling the girl who's screaming that she wants her mommy She tells her everything is okay. She's a part of something now. And Mm -hmm. don't don't worry, little girl. Someday you'll kidnap yourself. Yeah. (sighs) Lordy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so they uh, light the RV on fire and and it explodes as they're driving away. So they're in the wind. We're good to go. Yay. Yeah, it's episode over. They got away with it. No, we have Garcia next talking to the team. She says that the working theory from 1971 was that a transient killed Kathy Gray's parents and then took her. They thought it was was a tramp or a hobo. (laughs) Yeah. Turned out it was a gypsy and thief, not a tramp. Exactly. Agent Todd wonders how you do the same thing that was done to you. Rossi explains Stockholm Syndrome. You (laughs) adapt or you die. Not really, but okay. <laughs> mm-hmm. Prentice says now she's training her son to be a murderer. And Hotch says, you know, you get to a certain point and traditions have been handed down generation after generation. There is no right or wrong. You just accept the way the world works. That And that's that's the way that the world works. The sheriff comes in at that point to tell them they have a report of an RV on fire. It's about 20 miles away. And Hotch has... Rossi, Reed, and Morgan go check that out. And he asks Garcia to digitally age Kathy Gray's photograph to what she would look like now. So Garcia clickety-clacks up that picture. We go from Garcia's picture to see that it's pretty close to Cynthia Gibb as she's driving along. Two things about this. First of all, when when Hotch says this thing about the tradition, uh, you know, there's no right or wrong at that. Uh, that's just how the world works. And Reed has to jump in there. I was like, well, that's not, not all. 
Romani. This is this particular type of Romani that thinks the world works this way. This is not Elver. Like again, okay, we get it, Reed. Uh, Morgan then says that the, these by abducting the children, it keeps the bloodline pure. So he says the title of the episode, boop, 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 bloodline. Yep. But I'm not sure how that keeps the bloodline pure. <laughs> no. It keeps you're the bloodline int- from being the royal family, and you're right. not inbreeding. But that's not pure. That's actually diverse. It's the opposite of uh, – anyway. Uh, <laughs> uh, about Garcia and this aging up. It takes 15 seconds for her to take this picture of the young girl, clickety-clickety-clack, 15 seconds later. It takes me longer to find the app I'm looking for on my desktop. And she does this high, highly advanced thing. Why? Why in this case does it take 15 seconds when normally it's just like, oh, I'm going to have to get back to you on that one. You know, there's a lot of possibilities. Mm-hmm. we got to run the, run the algorithm. And it's good. Mm-hmm. It's, 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 there she is. It's Cynthia again. Uh, it's like what 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 yeah it is garcia she is magic when she okay, needs to be but, uh, all right well then let's stick a pin in this for every single episode down the line <laughs> when she's going to use age software and it's going to take her eight hours or three days or whatever well oh, i can't get it, to, it takes time i can't just clickety clack because she just clickety clacks okay yeah come on now so we go back to the uh, RB fire scene, and now our, our sheriff and the team is there. The sheriff is explaining that the fire was started less than an hour ago, so they're probably still close. They can't be that far away. They determine, well, it looks like they left everything behind here. So Rossi is like, yeah, they got the girl they wanted. Now they're going to start over. And Morgan notices that the burnt clothes still actually have the sensors, that security sensors that are placed on them from the stores. Rossi don't care as much as Reed does. He says, well, a lot of Romani make their living as petty thieves. So (laughs) Rossi is not going to (laughs) be. Exactly. He doesn't specify that. No, some. Not all Romani, (laughs) but, uh, but, you know. (laughs) (laughs) But then Reed realizes that explains the bells that Kate heard because it's something called the School of the Seven Bells. Like Which is said, basically pocketing 101. It's, it's he's training yeah. him, obviously. It's, it's a standard thing. It, it it explains why the tinfoil is there because they put the tinfoil over the, the sensors. It what it doesn't explain to me is that if if this family has been robbing and you know, shoplifting for decades, come on, they would have by this point had some sort of tool to remove the uh, shoplifting tags. The, yeah, the, the anti-theft devices. Like they, they must have been able to steal one of these tools over the years. Agreed. So they determined that these this family must work uh, as thieves to make their money, and they also know that these unsubs are guided, according to Reed, entirely by ritual. They abducted Lynn Robillard and killed her family in an area that they knew was surrounded by police and FBI. They can't deviate from the ritual. And Morgan says, and so they're starting over, which means they're going to need some money. So they ask the sheriff where the closest shopping mall is, about 15 miles away. So Morgan radios Hotch that they think they know where where they're going. So uh, in the spirit of Robin Sparkles, let's go to the mall. Let's, let's go out to the mall. Today. <laughs> we cut to the mall and there's cops all over the place handing out the printed pictures of Cynthia Gibb, the digitally aged photos that Garcia came up with. And Hotch tells the team, well, okay, let's focus on the high-end department stores. 
They're they're bigger targets. Meanwhile, we see the boy, and he has spotted one of the uh, posters, and he grabs it, and he finds mom and dad in a dressing room who are busy stuffing tinfoil bags, tinfoil encased bags with the uh, with clothes. I mean, I've never I've never tried this, but I, would this really work? <laughs> I don't know. I think I mean, maybe it might have worked at one point. I don't know that it would still work today. I, I mean, what do I know? I'm not a thief. I don't know. Not not yes. all Romani are thieves either, but I'm not a thief. <laughs> and so the uh, boy shows the mom the picture and asks if it's her. And the mom looks at the dad, gives him a knowing look. Apparently, she knows what she has to do. So she grabs her bag. Execute plan B. Plan B. Execute plan B. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, she walks out, the security alarms go off, the police sprint over to the scene, she's giving up, ma'am, Kathy Gray, take that woman, put the bags down, cuff her, they get her, uh, what's wrong, uh, the sheriff screamed, says to Hotch, and Hotch says, They've been stealing for years and years, and they've never been caught, so this was much too easy. Yeah, I, yeah that makes total sense. Although I do, I, I do like in this whole scene, like, you know, the FBI is all over this mall. The cops are all over this mall. <laughs> and the, the sirens go off, and the mall security cop is like, ma'am, you're going to have to put the bag down, please. Ma'am, please stop. Ma'am, yes. ma'am. <laughs> <laughs> It, yeah, the different response is kind of was kind of comical. <laughs> that was good. So now we go over to the interrogation room and Prentice and Hotch are in there and they're doing the whole bad cop, good cop thing. Oh, um, this is the most over exaggerated good cop, bad cop I've ever seen. Now, Kathy, could you please tell us what happened? Tell us what you're going to do. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, Hotch has got his full-on Jack Bauer, <laughs> and yes, Prentice is 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 saying, "Yeah, Kathy, how did you do it?" She's like, "I told you already, I killed them." And Prentice is like, "Yeah, but you said you did it by yourself." She knows that's not true, and yeah, Hotch is like, "How'd you do it? How did you abduct a child? Control two adults while you slit their throats?" And she's just like, "My name is Sylvia." <laughs> yeah. Yes. Please don't call me Kathy. And anyway, the girl's better off with my son than any man you can find in your society. <laughs> yeah. Basically, that's exactly where they're getting with her. And uh, but she's not giving up any information. They're trying to remind her now of the girl that she used to be, basically. So Prentice is like, your name is Kathy Gray. You're from Vienna, Virginia. Let's uh, tell, why don't you tell me where your husband and son are so we can help you get your life back? And Hotch is like, want to see what you did? And, and Prentice is faking it. Hey, don't show her those. No, and please. That's too cruel. Too cruel. That's, too, that's bad what you're doing. Very bad. Kind of what he's saying. <laughs> Hotch shows Kathy the pictures of all the crime victims and Hotch is saying, this is Jeff Hale. He died from a strong, decisive cut. I think that was your husband. This is Nancy Hale. Her wound was more tentative. That was your son. And I'm sure by the time he teaches his uh, own son how to kill, you know, it'd be better at this. She's 
Kathy is like, stop, stop. And he shows some couple more pictures and says, do you recognize them? Look closely. It's your own mother and father. <laughs> I mean, even for a bad cop, that's over the line, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yes. And he says, uh, this is the tentative cut your future husband made while he slit your mother's throat. Um, yeah. Hotch is really going at it. And while truthful, that, that, I mean, that's, that's harsh, man. When you think about it, you put that into context. This is your husband killing your parent. Wow. <laughs> and probably the mom because, you know, it, it, the easier of the two victims would be the, the woman. So give that to the, to the, the kid, right? You would think? Yeah. So, like, yeah. so your husband killed your mom. How do you feel about that? Yeah. <laughs> they tell her, look. They're going to train you. to. Why are you doing the same thing? You're you're just a breeder, they call her. She's saying she's not going to betray her family. And they tell her, look, your your boy is 10. There's a chance, you know, if we get him now, he'll, he would be out of custody by the time he's 18. But that's only if they can get to him. She's like, I love my family. And they say, well, tell us where your son is. We can help him all. We can help him become, you know, okay. Meanwhile, Rossi comes in. He hands a folder over to Hotch. Hotch is still doing his thing. He starts reciting some names. Scott Woodland, Xander Blanchard, Max Estep, Chip Jackson. She says she doesn't know who these people are. And they tell her it's a list of every known fence in Huntsville. And you're going to tell us who your husband took all those goods to. He says a few more names. And Emily is like, no, let's give her some time to do the right thing. So they're still doing this. And okay, fine. He reads some names. He says, Morris Collins. And she's finally like, stop, stop. And Hotch is like, okay, it's Morris Collins. And she's like, no, I won't tell you. And Hotch says, you just did. <laughs> now, my question to you, Katad. What? <laughs> All right, look. My question, look, I, I will, I will give you that they've done this many more times than you and I, and maybe that there's a tendency that the person's going to actually react in that way when the name actually gets coming, so, so they can deflect, whatever. Okay, fine, uh, cool. Are there that many fences <laughs> in Huntsville, Alabama, who are going to buy clothing <laughs> that has clearly been stolen with the tax still on? <laughs> <laughs> that is my point. It's not like they had stereo equipment, <laughs> electronics, uh, jewelry. It is <laughs> shirts, chemises, and sweaters. <laughs> With the, clearly, we just stole this from a department store tag still on them. I got to tell. I don't know, AJ. I don't know how to answer that question. <laughs> but apparently, this is enough. That Kathy has given up poor Mor Morris Collins. Poor Morris. <laughs> and uh, so she also says, uh, look, the boy is not with him. So Prentice asks where the kids are. And Kathy says, I I'm only going to tell you if you let me see your son, see my son. So Prentice is shaking her head. Yes. Then we cut to some alleyway where apparently the dad was just with the fence and... Yeah, he, uh, it looks like he's leaving a pawn shop, so sure. Yeah, yeah. He is surrounded. FBI, hands in the air, get on your knees, get on the ground now. Morgan is there, and he's like, got him down. He says, you know, we've got a long list of girls to go through with you. 
And the dad says this line. He says, in history, <laughs> in history, warriors invaded towns, killed the men, women, and boys, but kept the girls for themselves. You exist because your ancestors did what was needed for you to survive. All right. Nice speech. <laughs> and to which Morgan just says, get him out of here. And he's like, oh, yeah, well, you're never going to find my boy. And Reed says, oh, yeah, we already have. <laughs> what? Well, I mean, you know, Kathy told, told him where the boy was. So that's fine. Yeah. It's just, it is very, very, very silly. Yeah. So, yes, they've already found the boy. And we're back at the police precinct. Rossi's bringing the boy into the police station. The, the little girl is now safe. We do see at one point as the boy is being walked past Hot, she gives him a little look like, oh, yeah, I'm going to get you in 10, 20 years. <laughs> yeah, yeah uh, he's, he's definitely uh, he already a- uh, uh, fully absorbed what it's like to be a killer. Yeah. So as promised, Prentice brings him to Kathy, who's talking to him through the bars. And she's telling him, it's just you now. You got to be strong. I love you, Puyule. And then all of a sudden, she starts saying something, some of them foreign words to the boy. So they're like, oh, wait a minute. Like she's pulled a gun and is shooting people. Like, oh, get her away. Get her away. Get her away. (laughs) She's using words. And I'm guessing, I I guess Google Translate wasn't a thing back then, or maybe they didn't hear exactly okay. what she said. They, they didn't. They didn't hear what she said, um, which is fine. They didn't hear what she said. We gotta send it to send the tape to. I don't know if uh, what what recording is recording the audio in that room. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> you know, before they were videotaping everything. Okay, maybe they're still videotaping, but I kind of doubt it. There's no microphone on her. They would nothing would pick it up. They could have just easily just had Emily, who speaks Romanian apparently, or at least a little mm-hmm. bit, recognize recognize one of the words. That could have happened, but no, they they have the tape. They sent it away, and they're get it translated, and hopefully in a couple of hours because they can't just clickety clack. No, <laughs> no. Boy. Yeah, but if you need us to digitally age all of the kids' pictures, <laughs> we can do that right away. Twenty-three seconds, baby, <laughs> to one hundred percent accuracy, mind you. <laughs> so, meanwhile, uh, Todd comes over to Hotch. She says uh, the little girl's aunt and uncle are on their way. They're going to pick her up, and uh, also, by the way. She just spoke with JJ, and JJ is going to be at her desk by the time they get back to Quantico. And Hotch is like, well, she has three more weeks of maternity leave. And Todd says, yeah, but she's actually dying to get back to work. And to be honest with you, I am ready to get back to counterterrorism, which to uh, me, no, no. go ahead. No, I was just saying, like. No, no, she's really anxious to get back to work. It wasn't me who called her and said, you you need to get back now. I am done with this BS. Yeah. <laughs> One me- No, that's not what happened. That's what happened. <laughs> and to me, it just seems a little 
I mean, I guess it's like you've said, it's I guess it's the family thing that's really gotten to Todd because I'm like, counterterrorism doesn't seem like oh, that's so much more decent than what you're dealing with here. Yeah, I, I honestly think she, it's not that she can't handle death. Uh, you know, that she knew what she was getting into when she said, I'm going to do this job. It, it's just, it, I think it really, it's the children. And, and, and especially like, look, her cases were, uh, she walked into a room and saw the probably weak old decaying body of a child in her first case that she yeah. thought she might have had something to do with. Uh, and now in her second case on the road she's got a young child being abducted by a 10 year old who killed her mother like, oh, <laughs> like no I, yeah no no give me give me the distance of foreigners doing bombs in cities please yeah and she so she says yeah i'm going back to counterterrorism. work with jack bauer um, <laughs> you and uh she says it's where i'm needed and Rossi, who was apparently been trying to get her out anyway the whole time, is like, oh, yeah, they're so lucky to have you. Um, no, he says it in a and nice way. And that's okay. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> and, uh, okay. Are you sure you don't want to get on the jet now? <laughs> right. Just send it back for us. <laughs> and meanwhile, before she goes, though, she has to drop a little truth bomb on Hotch. That's right. Speak the truth. Jordan Todd. She says, uh, can I say something to you? Hotch says, sure. And she says, this team is like a family and families take on the traits of their leaders. You don't really show much emotion. And Hotch is like, meaning what? And, and she says, I've sat at JJ's desks and I've looked at some of the worst things I've ever seen. Just trying to do half her job. I hope you don't take her for granted. That's right, Hotch. I hope you don't hear that, JJ. <laughs> and Hotch says, I don't. So that's the whole scene, basically. Uh, then, uh, pretty much, yeah. <laughs> we, yeah, we get our we get our translation of what the mom said. Well, what did she say? She said, "Don't tell them about your brothers." Dum dum dum. <laughs> so they are they're asking the boy, "How many brothers do you have?" And he's not answering. He just gives an evil smirk. Yeah. Like, <laughs> ha, ha, ha. Well, she said brother, so at least two, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so then we get uh, Hotch. As we're starting to see another scene, we get a quote from Hotch. Mario Puzo wrote, The strength of a family, like the strength of an army, is in its loyalty to each other. We see a new family in a car, and they're having this same conversation. The dad is saying, you're almost 10. You're becoming a man. And the mom is saying, I love you, Puyule. And another kid doesn't look quite as evil, but still. No, this kid, this kid. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, this kid. This looks like Martin from The Simpsons. (laughs) Yeah. This is not like like the first cast. The first kid is like, oh yeah, he's a Damien the Omen type. Like, oh yeah, he's gonna kill people. Hi, you're ready to kill that. <laughs> yeah, and so this is one of those classic ironic endings. Like, even though we stopped this, we haven't stopped the whole thing. This is gonna go on, and I'm sure this particular case is never gonna come up again. But you know, they had, they gave it one of those endings, and that was 
that was the episode. And AJ, my criticism, especially of the last whole half hour of this episode, there was really no reason for this family to get caught except for they no. decided that it was time to get caught. <laughs> Yeah, like, they did not have to go to the mall here. Uh, yeah. I mean, I guess you know. Okay, they burnt. They're gonna get need to get an RV. Sure, that that. But they have they have their one car. I'm assuming still. Uh, okay, they need gas money, but <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I felt like the. I didn't really get any kind of payoff. I felt felt like it was just like, oh, let's let's do this so we can. Uh, you know, catch them and then give you our scary little twist end uh, that there's more of them out there. Mm-hmm, eh. mm-hmm. And quite frankly, I mean, there's there's also zero. The mother did the okay. I'm gonna get caught here, which will give my family time to get out since there's posters all over the mall. But really, they didn't need to do that diversion. They could have just had the father. They didn't know what the father and son looked like. At right. all. So she could have just stayed. I'll stay in the dressing room for like a half hour now. <laughs> go. Yeah. You guys go now. Yeah. And I'll join you outside. Yep. <laughs> yeah. It's just so silly, which which will uh, certainly uh, be the reason why it should come as no surprise to you mm-hmm. when we go to our barometer. Yes. Yeah, so did our team win this week? No. <laughs> No, they did not. No. First of all, they they they, they brought Jordan along, and and she she's gone. She's she's out. She's tapping out. They 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 didn't catch the first girl. She was only thrown back because she had she had uh, epilepsy. Um, yeah, they were so lost that there was there was actually a shot. I forgot to mention that when Morgan is searching the second victim's home, he checks the medicine cabinet. It's like, nope, no epilepsy medicine here. I guess we're out of luck. <laughs> <laughs> it's subtle, but it made me laugh. Uh, no, they they got caught on their own. This is sheer dumb luck. Yeah, loss, loss, especially because they're still out there. Mm-hmm. Many, 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 many more of them. How many brothers does this kid have? <laughs> well, even if it's just two. And I'm assuming we just saw one of them in this other case. And they'll tell two friends and they'll, they'll, they'll get two wives and they'll get two wives and so on and so on and so on. Hey, uh, they don't yeah. have to win every week. They don't. In fact, no. I prefer they don't win every week. But this, this was just... And this wasn't even an own goal. It's just like it's like you know, this is a perfect crime. We can't catch him if they don't want to be caught. We can't catch him. Well, uh, then enough of this episode. Let's look forward to next week's episode, AJ, with a little thing we like to call teasing it out. I guess that's what we're calling. This that is segment. what we've been calling it. Absolutely. <laughs> All right, let's go ahead. Tease it out, man. Can uh, Todd. What will be the plot of next week's episode, which is season four, episode 14, entitled Cold Comfort? Cold Comfort. Is it A, JJ returns to the BAU, but that's cold comfort for the team when one of them gets taken hostage during a bank heist goes wrong? Is it B? 
the doctor is in. Sane, <laughs> that is. Yes, the BAU hunts down a psychiatrist who is killing his former patients. Is it C? While local cops call in the BAU to help catch a kidnapper, the victim's mom brings in her own help, a psychic. <laughs> or is it D? Who is responsible for a string of bodies which turn up frozen solid? Could it really be the ice cream man? Those are your choices. Uh, as usual, inspired choices. And I enjoy this part of the show every week, regardless of how I do <laughs> score. Well, I, I enjoy writing them, so. <laughs> Uh, just for a presentation alone, I am going with choice B. The doctor is in sane. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the psychiatrist, etc., 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 etc. Yes. Well, Katad. I mean, yeah, JJ is returning. We know that. We we heard that this episode. She's already there. She's she'll be at Quantico when you land. Um, but no, no, we're not going to have someone taking hostage in a, in a bank heist gone wrong this week. Um, <laughs> you know, we just had an entire episode with with Romani gypsies, and mm-hmm. yet not a single reference to fortune tellers. What gives? Don't worry. We're going to have fortune tellers of our own next week in the form of uh, a kidnapping victim's mom hiring her own psychic to help with the investigation. Or is it help? We shall see. That's what cold comfort is all about. Oh, boy. Well, I cannot wait, AJ. Sadly, I will have to wait. Um, <laughs> I mean, if if you want, you can go watch Teresa Caputo on your TV right now and get get ready for this brilliant piece of John Edward bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy! Well, folks, that is our episode this week. Thank you so much for joining us. I hope you had a great time. We had a great time. Please be sure to subscribe to, rate, review our podcast on your favorite podcast platform. Spread the word. Let your friends know about us. You may also write to us if you choose so at feloniouspundits at gmail.com. Follow us at Twitter uh, at podcast underscore pundits. No blue check needed. For AJ Mass, this is Kintad Svensgaard saying goodbye and keep profiling. Wheels up! Roman philosopher Seneca once said, A family formed by crime must be broken by more crime.